from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Talking Catholic, the official podcast of the Camden Diocese. Uh, This is your co-host, Mary McCusker, and this is, I think, the third week in a row that um, I've done a podcast with Mike Walsh, so hopefully nobody's sick of my voice yet, but if you are, that's okay. Well, you're in good shape though, because uh, we actually had a break. There was uh, we had a different uh, one of we we do these things all you know sometimes pre-recorded. So last week the listeners got to listen to the delightful Carrie Janice and and uh, three or four uh, uh, Catholics who were gra- graduating from high schools. Oh well, yes. I can't top Carrie, and I'm sure that the students did a wonderful job too. So <laughs> actually, the students did do a wonderful job. If anyone didn't get a chance to listen to that, uh, it was very heartfelt. And um, the the stu- you know we always worry about you know the the following generation and and things like that. But those four kids were absolutely delightful, and I, I hope people if you haven't already listened to that episode, I hope you go back and listen to it because uh, they were wonderful. They were very, I love very, the young kids. I don't think there's going to be a generational um, war between millennials and what are the younger ones than me, the Gen Z, I yeah, think they are. I think so. They're great. They never cease to amaze me with their maturity. And, you know, we see a lot of those volunteers at Catholic Charities. And I every time I just think, wow, they are so much more eloquent and well-spoken than I ever was at their age. Yeah. Or <laughs> me now. The, yeah. Yeah. Right. And they could run this podcast, honestly. <laughs> they really could. They, they, so it was a delightful episode, and and it's good. And then and to, we're we're recording this on May twenty first. So tonight is the final episode of the diocesan online Easter retreat. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, um, and you're listening to this on Monday or or Sunday or whenever. Uh, go back and check it out because the last episode will be nothing like the other ones. Uh, I have, we haven't recorded yet, so I don't know what it's expected, but I'm hosting it. So it's going to be oh boy. not so much about the spiritual, but a lot more about the technical of what it took for us to, with virtually no time to plan, pull together uh, 45 episodes of Easter retreats, Lenten retreats, and live stream to Matt masses and prayer services. So, uh, And we're going to talk to a bunch of other people who were able to do similar things in their own, in their own area. So if you haven't watched it yet, uh, go back and check out the diocese, diocese of Camden, um, Facebook or Twitter or YouTube channels. And you'll see that video from, from Thursday. So I guarantee we haven't recorded yet, but I guarantee it'll be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will see. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but today's a beautiful day and we have a great guest and that you pulled together for us. So thank you very much. Somebody we've wanted to have on the show for quite some time. (laughs) Well, it's my pleasure to introduce um, Joanne Farrell, who is, excuse me, um, the program coordinator for our addictions healing ministry. Um, She has been with Catholic Charities for six months, and she said um, she still feels like she's learning. And Mike told her before this podcast, well, that's a good sign. We're all still learning. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Joanne, for for joining us. And how are you doing today and in general? I'm doing fine, and thank both you and Mike for inviting me. Uh, I, I think this is a great opportunity to talk about this program, so thank you. 
Thank you. I don't think anybody who's been here for less than a year has ever agreed to actually join the podcast. So this is really, really exciting for us. <laughs> yeah, but short time with, with Catholic Charities, but long time in the profession. Right. Uh, sure. you, you, you've yes. been doing this for, for a long time. And, and I guess, you know, that's probably what we need to start with is, you know, your professional career. I was looking through your CV before you came on and you've sort of, like myself, bounced around a little bit um, with a couple of, in a couple of different fields and industries. And I'm kind of curious is what was that progression like from, from your professional life, your, your secular professional life into the Catholic charities? Well, well, that's an interesting, um, gosh, we can talk about that all, all day. <laughs> Great. I love talking about those conversations. <laughs> well, well I, I am a registered nurse and I've, um, my background is pretty much I've, focused a lot on diabetes education. I'm a diabetes educator. Um, And I've worked in uh, a hospital system for many, many years and was recruited by the pharmaceutical world and worked there for many, many years. And then made the big decision to retire. And then when I made that decision um, to actually do something totally different, um, I was already involved at the parish level in uh, many activities and ministries, as well as uh, working with um, over the uh, Diocese of Camden with uh, Vitality. So Mm -hmm. I was doing some, uh, working as an independent contractor uh, for faith education. And that is taking what I know uh, and being a lead instructor in teaching parish nursing. Yeah. So that's been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me. And and getting the connection to Catholic Charities, that's been just an amazing experience. Uh, there was uh, this little blur in our parish bulletin, and uh, and it, it was about uh, looking into prison ministry. And so I called the number, and I got to sit and talk with this wonderful, wonderful individual by the name of Sister Mary Cronin. Oh, we love her. Our prison ministry, who introduced me uh, to to this line of work and Catholic charities. Um, I had been in prison ministry as a volunteer for about a year when it was Sister Mary who came back to me and said, you know, Joanne, they're looking for someone. Uh, in addictions healing. And she said, do you know of anyone? <laughs> so, she was talking to the right person. <laughs> and, and of course, you know, one thing led to another. And I said, you know, I, I certainly am amenable to exploring this. And she said, ah, I'm going to call Kevin Hickey today. <laughs> so, so that's really how it started. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, and, and my exposure to substance abuse in general came by way of prison ministry. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. So that's been um, a quite an interesting uh, and, and just a, uh, I talk about the, uh, the gals in the prison as my sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have unique stories and, uh, and there's so much pain there. And, you know, but in that pain is a lot of compassion and love. And I found that I was bonding into this community of women who just wanted to share and, uh, and know God more. So I, 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 I am actually privileged to say that I fell in love with that ministry and, uh, and uh, 
And of course, March 17th, everything stopped for us. Uh, right. I think we're in now unprecedented territory uh, with the uh, COVID virus. You know, it's I, funny. We've had we've had people on uh, everything that you've talked about so far. We've we've had different people on, uh, whether it's Vitality, Catholic Healthcare Services, or the Prison Ministry Program, um, and certainly we've had we've had addictions experts on as well. And and that's one of the beauties of Catholic charities and the Catholic faith in general. But Catholic charities specifically, particularly this Catholic charities, um, which has, does a great job of always seeming to have its tentacles out and finding good people somehow to pull into these very yeah, and the thing is, is they always have their tentacles out. But these are these are entities that sometimes are not very easy to get into. I mean, you know, you would. I think there's a lot of people who would be very frightened from a prison ministry. Mm-hmm. And what I found is we've talked to a number of of chaplains and ministers who go into the prisons, and they say, you know, they're always a little nervous at the beginning. But as soon as they get into it, they have the exact same reaction that you do. That they yeah. become bonded with these yeah. people. Absolutely. So yeah, the, the genuine desire to maybe they don't necessarily want to know specifically the Catholic Christ, but they want to share that faith. And we right. use the Catholic Christ to to bring them to that faith. And it's it's gorgeous. I mean, Mary, how many conversations have we had with our with our past friend um, who handled, uh, you know, the women's uh, program in, in Salem where, you know, she would say the exact same thing to us is that you don't, you don't know what it's like until you've actually been there and seen the passion on their yeah. face and, and you just have this natural compassion to them. Right. Right. And I, we, you know, Mike, we've been, um, to the prisons before when Bishop has masses there. And every yeah. time I just kind of look around and say, gosh, I wish I could just get to talk to some of these people one-on-one, you know, each person has a story and struggles and, you know, I always wish that I could, you know, dive a little deeper, but, um, and everybody, like you said, who has been involved with prison ministry really has kind of the same story. There's a little apprehension, but then they just say, you know, it's very eye-opening and the stories yeah. that you hear from a lot of the people um, are so, just unbelievable. So to our listeners, since uh, since Joanne brought this up, we weren't really going to talk about uh, prison ministry, but I, I'm going to encourage you that if there is a prison ministry in your parish or in your diocese, and you think that's something you might be interested in, um, it is number one, far less scary than you realize. <laughs> I've, I've never felt safer any place than I've been, felt in prisons. And I've oh, been absolutely. into, I think I've been in every prison in South Jersey now as a guest, yeah. not as a, uh, as an, as an invited guest, not as someone who was thrown in there. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it really is, it, you know, the first time you go in, sure, you know, the bars close, it gets a little, it's a little nerve wracking, but the truth of the matter is that the people in it, the inmates I've worked with, the, the staff, the guards, the administration, couldn't a bit could not be more welcoming and so happy that somebody from the outside world has taken an interest in it. So, right. uh, you know, be like Joanne and, and look into and look into pr- prison ministry at some point. And, and you will be surprised. And I yeah. believe that you know, even though the people that are there, uh, not all are Catholics. Uh, and they don't espouse uh, the Catholic faith, but they are highly spiritual, and they're. And, and you know what, if anything, it has deepened my own spirituality and my own faith. Um, and we, we find that we have so much more in common. Yeah. There right. are differences, you know. And so. it's, that's, it's one of the corporal works of mercy is visiting the yep. incarcerated, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's an easy, that's an easy one to forget in our sort of yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, throw them into the prison and forget right. about them. Sure. Society we live yeah. in nowadays, but it's no, it's one of the core tenets of our Catholic faith is in somehow to, to right. help the imprisoned. Sure. And so that's exactly how this all started for me. I was sitting with a group of women who the majority of them were, uh, ex- you know, substance use disorder situations. And, um, and in our discussions and, and to that extent, I, I, my, I called my program, and it was a little program. I actually called it um, Healthy Living, mm. a Women of Courage and Hope. And so I bring in the nursing aspect of it in answering all of their questions and needs that pay attention to their physical issues. And then we did uh, scripture reading. Uh, I, was a, I am a strong proponent of Lexio Divina, and I was surprised that those who were not Catholic joined in and were really uh, very, very interested in, uh, in sharing their internal faith. So it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for me. Yeah. I think that's something that I can imagine a lot of people thirst for, you know, in, in prison. And, um, I'm curious, Joanne, with, you know, you mentioned substance abuse. Is that, is that something that you've seen tends to lead people to the prisons? Is that, you know, linked to, to trauma. I know a lot of these concepts are kind of intertwined and a lot of people who are released from prison, the recidivism rates um, are often linked to, to substance abuse. And can you tell us a little bit about the link between all of that? Well, you know, we do see trauma in, in, in substance abuse. Uh, and, you know, in understanding trauma, it's really very complex, but everyone responds to it differently. And depending upon their personal history, you know, the support, their degree of resilience, their own temperament. So there's, it's so very complex. Uh, and there's not a universal roadmap that helps us. Right, right. But trauma is so unique, and and resolving or healing from trauma is also unique. So you know, it gives us an opportunity, even at that stage, you know, uh, I, I, to to utilize what is referred to maybe a trauma approach, and 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 helping people to self actualize where they are, to empower them. It's sort of like some of them know their triggers. Others don't even know what triggers they have. And and so this is part and parcel of it. So, you know, that's why uh, professional help is so absolutely vital in helping people work through this and to empower them, to help them to get onto the right track. Uh, And I do see that, you know, in, in, even in the prison system, they, the social workers did a lot of great work. There were wonderful programs there. It's, you know, when they're released, what is there for them. And that's where we need to capture them. um, And what, what we do here at Catholic Charities. And that's only one part of it because, you know, prior to COVID-19, we could be sitting in a pew in our church and someone could be sitting next to us and we would never know that they have a family member who's afflicted with uh, an addiction issue. Yeah, We have to kind of be aware of that, have our feelers out there. You know, that's why it's so important uh, to be connected 
Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about. It's being connected. Um, and, you know, that's what I have found with Catholic Charities. Uh, they're, that we are bringing those people in. There are so many people who have not only substance abuse issues, but they have other, other, so many other issues too. Sure. Mental health issues, trauma, absolutely. Um, you know, but there are other practical things like housing and food needs and, uh, you know, uh, they need help in so many other ways. And, and that's the one thing that Catholic Charities does is provide those wonderful services. It's the yeah. best kept secret is what I've been told. And I I believe it, you know, and I get back to my church and I said, do you know what Catholic Charities you should be the marketer for catholic I'm, charities I'm just say, you're hurting you're hurting our hearts that's what mary and i do all our time is promote uh everything catholic charities does so every time someone says i didn't know catholic charities that did, did yeah, right. that i, I feel it's like we true. failed in somehow Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it but, is uh, yeah it, I, I think sometimes people get it mixed up with house of charity or they think it's just a general charity, but they're not un- understanding, you know, Catholic Charities Diocese of Camden is the social service branch of the diocese. And like you mentioned, there's so many different services and it's always amazing to see referrals. Um, you know, maybe somebody comes to us for mental health counseling and they happen to be in need of housing assistance, or maybe they have a substance abuse problem and just having that network and that ability to to refer people is always, you know, a, a really great thing as we very, reach out to people on the margins, you know. Very similar to the connection between Vitality Catholic Healthcare Services and, right. and Catholic Charities. It's yes. it's amazing. Vitality Catholic Healthcare Services basically started up right before I joined the diocese, so maybe around five years ago. And the amount of crossover between those two entities now, right. um, you know, uh, Actually, maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, just give a little plug to Deacon Jerry's program, uh, Vitality Catholic Healthcare Services. Uh, what were you doing specifically for them that's kind of led you to? It was parish nursing, right? Yes, I was uh, actually prior to Vitality, there was a parish uh, uh, council, parish nursing council that evolved into Vitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as a result of that, I kind of stayed on board to be the instructor to prepare. Uh, nurses who were interested in parish nursing and and giving them the foundation. And we have a program that's actually state accredited uh, so nurses get continuing education. So it's a wonderful win-win situation. Uh, Of course, we do ask them to be of service to their their parishes. Yeah. And what exactly is parish nursing? It's a a great title, but I can't say that necessarily I know exactly what it means every time someone says it. (laughs) Parish nursing is very similar to many of the services that we offer here in Catholic Charities, and that is having a presence. Uh, Being present, uh, being a compassionate listener, it is not hands-on. We do a lot of educational counseling. Uh, So say in parishes, one of the, I guess, basic ways of reaching our parishioners is, is, you know, through our hospitality days. Uh, We may be setting up uh, health fairs Mm -hmm. or blood pressure screenings and it is in that moment, that's a teachable moment for us. So we have this great opportunity to not only be compassionate listeners, but to also to teach them to take better care of their health and also listen where they may need additional help and refer them to resources back to Vitality who could give them 
more guidance uh, yeah. and assistance. Yeah. That sounds like such a great program. And it's always yeah. a reminder when I hear these things about what's happening at the parish level. It's almost like they're certain parishes are like a mini Catholic charities agency yeah. of yeah. themselves. And that's always a reminder that, you know, no matter what we're doing at Catholic charities, it's amazing to see what parishes are doing themselves. And yeah. I, I didn't even know that you had stuff like that, um, yeah. you know, at, at parishes. But. Absolutely. And, and parish nurses are wonderful. They volunteer their time. Many of the women and men are, are, are retired. Many of them are still working full time with families. So it is so appreciated whatever time that they make available to their individual parishes. Yeah. So um, we do say, if anyone is interested, please contact our director of parish nursing, Nicole Kiefer, and she would love to hear from uh, any of the nurses out there. Uh, we're always looking for new parish nurses. Sure. Um, Nicole has been on our uh, podcast uh, before, actually. Her daughter, Alexis, has a uh, show on our Talking Catholic YouTube channel as well uh, called uh, Changing with the Tides. Um, but Nicole and Alexis are two of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my entire yeah. life. Yes. Good and and Nicole, yes. uh, she's good to the core of that one. So, oh yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking we had her on uh, when we had the hostful, right? Uh, right, Mary. Were you on that one? I don't think I was. Oh, I don't know if I've topic. ever met Nicole, but I remember sending her an email, and it probably was the most bizarre sounding email. But I. I forgot my computer mouse that day. And I said, this is strange and we've never met before. Right. Can I steal your computer mouse? <laughs> and then I realized, wow, that probably sounds odd. But she said, of course, go ahead. And I could just tell she was so kind. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll kind. have to meet her in person. <laughs> yeah. So um, so let's talk a little bit about why we do have you on today. And that's iThirst. So this is a program that uh, we've sort of been talking about. Mary and I have sort of talked about it several times over the last few months. And we've been wanting to have somebody on to really do a deep dive into it. Um, so yeah. we're very happy that you could make yourself available to, to chat about it. Because okay. addictions, addictions is one of those areas is where I think a lot of people want, a lot of people don't always understand it, but they always need help with it. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And you know, and I'm just going to go back just a little bit about my role. And you know, and that really is to develop a collaboration between Catholic charities, the parishes, and the people who are afflicted and their families who are impacted by this affliction. Mm -hmm. So it, there's it, there's so much here, but I will give credit to my uh, my immediate supervisor, Sylvia Lemieux, who has done a lot of groundwork in addiction healing. Uh, Sylvia is marvelous, who has uh, really kind of passed the baton to me, and I appreciate all of her guidance. But clinical services is still a vital component to this as well, because we see many families that are hurting and are in need of family counseling. So the whole premise of this service, I'm a part of a team, yeah. uh, you right. know, is strengthening families. Strengthening families is, is just vital to us as a Catholic community. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, we have wonderful counselors and caseworkers on board. And, uh, and and I want people to be aware of that, you know, that these services are available to them. Uh, all they need to do is to call our offices and, uh, and, you know, and we can get them plugged into whatever their needs are. For me, as far as the eye thirst is, it has been a wonderful, wonderful um uh, oh my gosh, this is so needed in, 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 our, in our diocese. Uh, it is so needed 
uh, in all churches. And that is the goal of the iThirst is to provide a presence in our church so that collaboratively and collectively we can be a, a, a voice to say we are present, we are here for you. iThirst is really an acronym. Well, of course, it is also, you know, the, the good Lord's last words on the cross. But iThirst itself, the thirst part of it is, is the healing initiative. And it's the Healing Initiative, Recovery, uh, Spirituality, and the 12 Steps. And we've all heard of the 12-step program. Uh, we have, uh, this all came about, you know, last year, we were very, very fortunate. We had two workshops just to get a feel of how many uh, parishioners and parishes were going to come out and find out more about uh, uh, this type of training. And to our, uh, you know, delight, we, we had, close to about 60 people that came out to these workshops representing about 20 different parishes. Wow. Uh, so that was pretty significant. And, um, and, and so we knew that this is something that we wanted to expand on and, and the training has started and we're so excited about this. We had our first uh, weekend session uh, on May 1st. And of course, this is unprecedented times that we're living in. Right. And so we were going to meet physically the, the you know, Father Tom Newton and the, the group over at Cary uh, uh, Hill, Christ Our Light. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He had offered for us to do a pilot program there, but we couldn't do anything physically. Oh. <laughs> so we resorted to this wonderful Zoom. <laughs> so we're all into doing Zoom training. Uh, so we had, we had 33 people um, come on wow. board that is engaged in the training right now. Wow. The training, like I said, just started on May the 1st. It will continue until July the 10th, 11th, the, that weekend. Uh, and we're doing it on a Friday evening, a Saturday morning, you know, because we know people have a lot of things going on. And uh, and so our, our presenter, Keaton Douglas, she herself actually uh, created this program uh, she's done a lot of work and uh, and, and passion mm. in bringing all of this wonderful information to us. She is affiliated with uh, Seton Hall University, and she's and actually has been able to tell us that we're going to get continuing education for this thirty-hour training. So, mm. which is a real benefit to uh, completing the training as well. Our goal is is that. As people complete the training, they're going to go back to their parishes, and uh, we're hoping that they will have the desire to start a ministry. We already have a few parishes that have addiction healing ministries. Say they call them, they have wonderful uh, names for their ministries, and they're doing such great work already. So this training is really to enhance what they are already doing as well. So it's an opportunity for, for all of us. But presence uh, and, and knowing that the church is, uh, and, and you know, that what is also key to all of this is pastor support. So we ask all of the people who are on board and part of this training to have a pastor endorsement, a letter of support. And the pastors have been wonderful in doing so. So we know that they, and, and, he, and I had an opportunity before March the 17th to meet with many of the pastors. And, you know, and they shared with me how critical this is 
this need is in, in their parish setting. Yeah. So I'm just so happy to be part of this. Um, I, I guess the one thing that, that in all the things that I've encompassed my, in my life, but this especially is bringing a, a different type of, and a level of energy because people just need to know that, you know, we have to stop the stigma. And there is such a stigma to, uh, to addictions itself, you know, and a, an addiction manifests itself. It doesn't manifest itself in the exact same way in each person. So it's really unique. So just to know that, you know, people, People will withdraw, they will isolate themselves, uh, they will, there is a lot of shame and guilt, and we just have to dispel this and, and be a welcoming church, you know, and as part of my role as a missionary disciple, and yes, I consider all of us missionary Absolutely. disciples, yes, of course. that we all have a part to play as a church, mm. you know, on this road to hope. Mm, this is yes. a spiritual path. Um, we want to provide connection and uh, guidance and empathy. We want to do that compassionate listening. Um, and, and, you know, we know that substance abuse starts out as a choice, but it really is a chronic disease. Yeah. And it's a disease that not only affects the brain, but it affects the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. So yeah. it's a, a, you know, we want to give it a fancy name. It's a bio psychosocial and spiritual disease and so psychosocial psychosocial oh gosh big words i can't process <laughs> and, you know the thing of it is is that you know we are all here to help each other mm -hmm. um and what i am finding in this training session there is there is a marvelous mutuality there is a connection to all of us and we and everyone has a story yeah. Everyone has a story, yeah. and we must take the time in helping people in this road to hope, this road to recovery. And recovery is a lifelong process, mm -hmm. you know, and it requires a lot of hard work. Um, you know, what, what is that old adage, you know, it takes a community to raise a child? Well, it takes the community to help a person on this road to recovery. Sure. You know? And you know like, it, it, go ahead, Mary. Oh, no. Mary. Go, I didn't. No. Like you said, when you you look around in church, and it's it's amazing just to think about you know each person in this pew. I guarantee, if I ask them, you know, do you know anyone who's struggling with substance abuse? I mean, I feel like every person I have a personal conversation with, everybody has a story. Either it's a family member or a close friend, or actually, you know, maybe they themselves have have had issues with substance abuse, or you know. The other factors that lead people to substance abuse like trauma and like you said just the stigma surrounding it it's just something that i feel like people are not quite comfortable with openly sharing but i love what you said and the spirit you bring to all of this you know saying how the church should be a resource you know for for these people and it should be a place where people are comfortable to to speak about it. So I, I love the energy and enthusiasm that you're bringing to all of this. <laughs> it's and much it kinda, needed. It kind of goes back to that, that mindset we were talking about prison ministry as well, that there's uh, culturally, we have this idea that these, these damaged people should be put away somewhere. And the reality is while prison may allow for that with, with in criminal activity, when it comes to addictions, they're, they're really, you know, I mean, there are retreat centers that you can go to, but those are short term, 
um, answers. Eventually, you have to re, uh, be reintroduced into society, and you need those people around you who can assist you. And if you're a family member who has a family, or, or yeah, a family member who has a family member who's struggling with addiction, you know, they sometimes they have it the worst. You know, they're not the ones with the addiction, but they're the ones who are trying to help the person with the addiction. And that is such. There's so much pain and angst that comes with that. They just need someone to accompany them, someone Absolutely. to talk to them, be with them. You Absolutely. Know? Yes. And, and this is part of the training, you know, to help people to understand uh, the cycle. Also to understand that, you know, as, as parents or loved ones of an individual who has an addiction, that you want to fix it. And sometimes you have to understand that in your desire to do that, you may be doing more harm. So we have to set up boundaries, healthy boundaries for not only the family, but for that individual and help them on this path. And the path to recovery is, you know, it's not the same for everyone. And, 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 and there's so many different, there's traditional ways that people can seek treatment. Some people do total abstinence and not everyone can do total abstinence. Mm -hmm. So we have medically assisted treatment. Uh, we have a therapy, we have behavioral therapy, uh, counseling. That's why we have clinical services. Although we don't have an addiction counselor on board, but we have so many other ways to refer people to, uh, rehab centers to treatment centers and i'm finding that many of the health systems are uh, now have and offer addiction uh, assistance for detox as well as for for rehab uh, mm. so there, there's so many opportunities but we need to get the people on the course we need to get right. them on the right path and you know we talk about you know, for us as Catholic charities, uh, you know, uh, how important the spiritual remedy, but we can't disconnect them from any of the other pieces as well. Yes. So uh, it's, it's, it's really difficult. It's really hard work, uh, but it's so much worth it. It yeah. really is so much worth it. Yes. So Joanne, can I backtrack a little bit here? So I'm curious because this was like in an alternate reality, I think my line of work would have been a nurse. Um, I love communications and marketing, but I remember um, thinking, I want to be a doctor. Like I want that hands-on <laughs> ability to help people. And I think I made it two weeks into the um, biology course in college and said, nope, I cannot handle this. So <laughs> that never came true. But I'm curious, um, you know, what made you be want to become a nurse? And, you know, where did you go to school? And well, the, those are really interesting questions. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, my desire to become a nurse was, <laughs> um, it just kind of just came to me. I was already married with, with two young children. Oh. Um, and something just said to me, look into this, follow this. And something was always pulling me there. I will tell you that I did love biology. So oh. <laughs> I remember a couple people like you in the class. It just, it made sense to them. And I'm trying to figure out, I can't even pronounce the words. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I was taught by the most wonderful, I was taught by Franciscan nuns, oh, and, wow. as well as lay instructors. And they were so instrumental in my life. And the path that I've chose, um, wow. they helped me with my career and always encouraged 
you know, uh, and, you know, even my own parents, my mom was a great influencer, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of 10 children. And I will tell you that every single one of my brothers and sisters, my brothers have now passed on, but all of my sisters will tell you how unique our mother was. Uh, she encouraged every single one of us and told us there isn't anything you can't do. So I think we've all gone through to that path. And, uh, you know, so we thank our parents, um, Mm -hmm. my wonderful nursing uh, exposure, my instructors, my teachers, and my Catholic faith, you know, that's, that's foundational to all of this. Uh, uh, I can't be who I am without that. This is the core of who I am. And bring that, uh, you know, as I remember one of my instructors, my nursing instructors, and she was a nun and she was, uh, here we are, here I am. And and she says to us as a group of women, we were mostly women at that point in time. Uh (laughs) (laughs) She told us how sacred the human body is. Um, And I think I carried that through my whole entire uh, way uh, that the body is sacred. You know, no matter what stage it is in, from from the moment that we are conceived until the moment we pass, our bodies are sacred. Um, yeah. Yes, we, you know, we do have free will, uh, but, uh, you know, we are here to help each other. And mm-hmm. we are here to find that common connection. We must stay connected and helping and teaching each other and, and uh so addictions kind of falls into this, but comes later in my life and my career. And I don't even look at this as a career. I see this as a vocation, uh, yeah. you know, that uh, uh, brought me to this place. And uh, so I thank Sister Mary Cronin, first of all. <laughs> and, You've had excellent influences of uh, women religious in your life. That's great. Yeah, right. <laughs> Both in the beginning of your career and here at the longer, longer end of it. It's been. Uh, and, and for, of course, for Sylvia Lemieux, who has been. Oh, she's amazing. Marvelous in her guidance and all of this. So, you know, we just have to have this, we have this marvelous mutuality um, of understanding what addictions and all the people and all the services. It's like we all help each other simultaneously. Somehow or another, we're all connected and we all have to do the best we can to, um, to be compassionate and to be merciful i mean after all you know look who is uh you know our maker right (laughs) all merciful so let's let's be an extension of that you know and 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 you know i must also say that i i really know that uh um we cannot do any of this work without the the support of our Bishop Sullivan. So we really do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, this is something that he's been, he's been in the diocese for somewhere around eight years now. And, um, you know, he visits the parishes. Well, up until the last two months, he would visit the parishes constantly. And what he heard repeatedly from parishes across the diocese, across South Jersey, was a need for for some sort of addictions help, um, whether it was dealing with um, 
users directly or whether it was dealing with families and, and what they were going through. But we needed, the Catholic Church needed to find some form of outreach. And he's had this in a, in a couple of areas. He also, he's a, he has a similar feelings about uh, our care for, for people with autism. And, and mm-hmm. he's well known for his uh, uh, feelings about the Latino community and, and immigrants to the United States. But the, uh, the, the addictions one was, was very, uh, really meant a lot to him. So I know very much that he's very happy that you're on board assisting with that. And we're finally able to really get some traction with it and get it going. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. Now, how often do you, how, how often do you expect to be having these training sessions? Well, we're having the training sessions. Um, uh, there are five weekends and they're, uh, the weekends itself are three hours on a Friday evening, three hours on a Saturday morning. Uh, we started, as I said, on May the 1st. Our next training session will be May the 29th. And then every other weekend until July the 11th, uh, we'll continue. And then we will graduate. And that's when it begins. It's, it's the beginning. So we're, we're hoping that all the people that, who have, uh, 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 that are doing the training uh, will go back to their individual parishes and, um, and develop an addiction ministry within their parishes. I will continue to play a major role in assisting them with providing up-to-date information, also be a resource for referrals to whether we're needed for family counseling, for clinical services. Remember, our goal is to strengthen the family, uh, but we also want to make sure that they they know that there are other places that uh, that are are there to help them for medically assisted treatment, for rehab, uh, whether it be uh, a long term, short term, um, and uh, what other resources and support groups there are. You know, all of the counties in the uh, catchment area, the diocese of Camden, offer such wonderful, wonderful services. They have. Uh, uh, branched out because of uh, state and federal grants and have a lot of different programs in place. Uh, however, we as a Catholic uh, peoples, you know, our faith is what binds and brings us and brings the people to to us in, in this capacity. Mm-hmm. So we want to make the church, we want to empower the church and be a resource uh, for all the people. We're all church. We yeah. are all the community of God. So, so that's I'm curious. Goal. You're um, in your in your past. Uh, you you did work with the in the pharmaceutical industry for a while, and certainly one of the most notable forms of addiction that's that's come into the U.S. over the past ten years has been the opioid addiction. Does your time in the pharmaceutical world sort of give you another perspective on and helping people with that yeah, particular addiction? It, it really does. You know, um, my years in the pharmaceutical were were really. Uh, um, actually a, a wonderful learning um, uh, insight into how drugs are developed. Uh, so I, I, in my role, I talked about, you know, I do presentations and I would take two uh, schools of medicine and schools of nursing and share with them uh, a drug molecule and what it takes for a drug molecule to be developed into a drug and how to t- it gets to market. So I, that background information I was well versed on, but also my role was education, research, uh, medical conference reporting. So I did a variety of different things. But when it comes to this particular subject of, uh, uh, you know, of the substance abuse and the opioid crisis as we now know it, uh, 
believe it or not, you know, it is disheartening to say that many people who develop substance use disorder was the result of prescription prescribed medication. And, you know, I looked, I went back to look at the statistics in New Jersey and, oh, you know, I can go back to 2013, 2016. And in our state alone, there were over, in a, in a year, in one year's time, uh, there was over um, 500,000 prescriptions. Yeah. Uh, wow. And now, believe it or not, it, which is a good, it's on a downward trend, but still fairly high. Although we must understand that there is there are needs and there are very valid needs for people to be on it. But, you know, now we have to, our physicians are being educated on alternatives yeah. to an opioid substance after uh, following a surgery or uh, for a chronic condition. So there's a lot of education that is going on currently, but those prescriptions that are, uh, it's down considerably. I, mm. I did write, I think I wrote down some of the statistics. It was interesting just uh, reading, um, you know, when I said uh, 500,000, it was actually 5 million. Oh, five million. Oh, wow. my that goodness. Makes it was over five million. And now the prescriptions are down just the state alone. I'm not talking county or local area. I'm talking for the whole state in general. Mm -hmm. uh, it's down to just a little over three million for wow. 2019. Wow. Still a considerable way to go, but I think the education, and there's limits now on how a physician can prescribe this drug. Yeah. So I think a lot of good things are happening. A lot of good things in the state of New Jersey are happening. Uh, uh, there's a lot more awareness, and, and, and this is good. Uh, and we have to be part of that, you know, as well in, in, in the prevention. So that's the other part of the role, at least, is, is going into uh, the parishes to, to, to help people to understand about addictions, because this is different. You know, people say, well, this was a choice, as I said earlier. However, free will and, uh, uh, you know, someone having willpower, you know, it changes the brain circuitry. And mm -hmm. as a result of, say, these people have compulsive behaviors that lead, they don't even, they're not even aware of the harmful consequences. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of educating ourselves so that we, I think as we move forward, that we can become more empathetic of, of uh, seeing a person who has now this affliction of addiction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have been buoyed by the fact that, um, you know, the education of efforts over the last, particularly over, I guess, the last five years to help people to understand both physicians and the, the public. You know, I, I, I know that in my own case, I don't have, at least not in terms of drugs, I've never had an addictive personality, but, um, you know, I, have no, I, I will, I would rather OD on Ad, Advil than, than take, you know, Percocets or, or codeine or anything else. And a lot of it has to do with the, the education that I received, you know, understanding opiates a lot better. My mother's the same way now. She's like, you know, unless I absolutely need it, unless it's right after a surgery for like a week or two, she won't, she won't take it. Um, and, and I talk, I was just talking to my physician maybe nine months ago and we were having a conversation because I have a, a bad knee. 
And we were talking about what some treatments I could do for it. And he, he said to himself, he said to me, he's like, you know, I can't really give you any opioids for it. I'm like, no, don't want it. That's not a problem, doc. But, but the fact that he said it to me meant a lot to me and said, okay, he's listening. He's a good Catholic doctor too. I, I, I threatened to put, bring him onto the podcast all the time. He's a really good guy. He, um, he, uh, he always comes in and he said he's white lab coat all the time. The first, first time I ever met with him, um, I, he had the, the little baby's feet uh, oh, that, that, that the right yeah. to life movement gives out, um, mm-hmm. for right to life people. And on the, um, so on one lapel was the baby's feet and on the other lapel was the Knights of Columbus, uh, pin. Oh, and wow. He didn't know I was a Catholic. He, that's just the way he comes to work every day. And I've said, one of these days I'm going to get you on the podcast. One of these days I'm going to get you to write an article because yeah. you know, he's, he's talked about, he's a very passionate right to life person. Um, and he says, you know, in, in his world, there are, you know, because of where, who he works for, he's allowed to make decisions for himself as to what he will and will not assist, help someone assist with. Mm-hmm. And if someone wants to go down the path of, of having an abortion, he's like, well, listen, we can give you all the other things. And then if you still go to want to go that route, I can't help you. But when you do it, if you do it, come back to me and I'll see if I can help you with, with the after effects and he helps with the, you know, the, all the programs that exist, particularly in the Catholic church, but also in help with healthcare, healthcare providers. And it's, you know, I'd love to know that there are these good Catholics in the real world in, in the secular world who are, who are thinking like this. And uh, now you've had the opportunity of being a good Catholic in the secular world, Joanne, and now, uh, now working for the, for the Catholic church. Um, do you, do you, in your days as a professional out and out in the world, yeah. Where did you find people similar to you who oh, were yeah. good, strong Catholics? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. If, if, if you know, um, I, I always love the fact of sharing my faith and I found that working at, as a nurse in a hospital setting, uh, in a non-Catholic institution, um, that there were more Catholics that we were, it was wow. interesting. You know, we, uh, we bonded together and, uh, you know, and even in my work in the pharmaceutical world, um, I, I traveled, I was very, very fortunate to travel uh, a lot. And, uh, and when I was with my colleagues, my team were made up of physicians and, and pharmacists and nurses, and we would be in a medical conference in uh, say San Diego and it was a Sunday, and there were, we had a Sunday conference, and I said, but I can't make that particular session, because I, I have to go to Mass. Does anyone want to go to Mass? Oh, that's funny. So, <laughs> so you know, it was, we had that camaraderie going, yeah. and, and it was uh, my way of professing my faith as well. And even some of my colleagues would say to me, you know, Joanne, it's been a while since I've been to church. I really appreciate you asking me. So mm-hmm. there you never know. <laughs> That's so funny. I was the same way. I used to travel a lot for work as well. And I was always the token Catholic. And uh, it was a lot of Sunday conferences. And uh, I was the same thing. Either I would go on Saturday night or I'd go on Sunday. And it was always great because I, I was in the medical field for a little while. And then I was in law. And then I did some nonprofit work and entertainment area as well. So we were always in these beautiful cities. So I got to see some of these beautiful cathedrals and basilicas that are all oh, over yeah. the world because they're, they're, they tend to be in the city centers where all these conference right. centers were. So it's, it was always a nice opportunity. still think that the cathedral in San Antonio may be the prettiest I've ever been in. Yes. I highly recommend it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now that, you know, so you were talking a little bit about, you know, when this pro, when this uh, education period is done and, and, you know, what you'll be able to provide back to the parishes. Do you have a sense of just how many parish representatives, like how many different parishes were represented in, in your last class? Uh, 
you know, of the 30 people, 33 people that joined uh, in this training, uh, they represent probably about 18 different parishes. Oh, that's great. So that's almost a third of yeah. all of the parishes in the diocese. And, and I'm really pleased with that. So I have a little bit of work still to do. Uh, and and I'm, I'm actually excited about getting out when we can get back to a new normal of sorts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I've been using and doing a lot of these Zoom uh, conferencing and phone calling. So I'm working here uh, uh, remotely uh, and uh, trying to still make that connection. So the goal is, again, is for people to go back to their parishes and hopefully as life resumes to something of a normal way that they will start an addiction ministry. So yeah. I think it's just a wonderful time uh, for us to uh, to share and uh, and for me to be there for them, you know, to guide yeah. them in the process. So we want this ministry to continue. We're hoping that we will periodically uh, continue to bring this group back for additional training, uh, to help them to set up their ministries, to work with their pastors. So I think that there's a lot still to be accomplished. And I'm looking forward to all of it. And Mary, for only wanted- being here for six months, you have hit the ground running. I can feel the enthusiasm. <laughs> and Mary, if people want to find out more about uh, this program, where can they go? They can go to our website, um, www.catholiccharitiescamden.org. And there is a um, substance abuse section on our website and there's a clinical services section and you can access both of those um, from our main page. So I welcome everyone to check it out. Right. And you can call us, uh, you can call clinical services at 866-682-2166 or even my direct line, which is in Catholic Charities at 856-342-4057. And I promise I'll call you right back. If you call my number, I can't make the same promise. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, well, the, the diocesan offices have been closed. I, I found that I am a very email respondent still, but I keep forgetting to check my work email so, or my work phone number. So I apologize if I'm late to returning anybody's phone call. Calling. Says the, the communications professional. Yeah, not, I know. Not Mike. It's, it's really the worst. And I apologize, but I own up to it. It's a terrible thing. The, um the, so, and Mary, in your case, uh, is there anything else sort of a Catholic charities uh, in Catholic charities world that we want to let our listeners know about? Um, I, I have to be honest. I know we haven't been doing a ton of uh, promotion about it, but Catholic charities has been doing a lot of great work with uh, food distribution over the last couple of weeks. I um, mean, the only reason we haven't done a ton of promotion about it because there's so much need there that already knows about it. We're afraid if we do too much promotion, we're afraid some of the offices might get overrun with right. uh, people. But yeah, no, our offices, um, they might be closed. Our services are still running. Um, yeah. You know, if you go to our website, you will you know, be directed to a form. You can still look at all of our services. Everybody's working from home and finding new and creative ways to stay in contact with their clients and, you know, meet new clients and provide services to them. So it's different, but we're an adaptable bunch and um, it's, we're still here. So um, call us, go to our website and, um, you know, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> Hopefully this coronavirus goes away soon and we return to whatever normal um, we'll face in the future. But in the meantime, you know, we're still here to provide services. And that includes 
um, like Joanne mentioned, clinical services as well. So okay. Catholic well, Charities is still here. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you very much for uh, tuning in. And Joanne, thank you very much for joining us. And Mary, thank you very much for setting all this up. And we'll uh, chat with everybody next week. See everybody. Thank you. Take Thanks. care.